and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about fertilizer and especially in-furrow fertilizer and just other things you might consider doing in-furrow. If you've got any questions about that or anything going on in your farm, you can give us a call here, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on X, agphd media, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, so in-furrow fertilizer, here's the number one thing I always want you to think about with whatever you're doing in-furrow on any crop. Salt. How much salt are you putting out there? Now, by very definition, fertilizer is salt. You've got a cation and an anion. You've got the these two um, elements that are together. You've got a combination that is salt. You're going to put that in the furrow. That's going to be a challenge for you because salt, well, a little bit, just like for a human being, a little bit's fine. A little bit's not going to hurt anything. Um, you start getting an excess, you got a real problem. Your doctor will tell you you have a real problem if you have too much salt in the diet. And your crop, well, your crop's not going to tell you. Your crop's just going to die. Or it's going to get stunted. Or it's just going to look bad. It, it can be very, very detrimental. And here are two big concerns, or I should say, here are the two reasons why it could be worse for you. Dry weather, light soil. We saw it this year even on our own farm. So here's my example. This wasn't even in furrow, where we had manure applied, and we were trying to help out this local dairy, and it wasn't their fault at all. Okay, don't get me wrong. They're, they're great. But they just said, hey, would you like to take some manure in the spring? We said, sure. Okay, well, the guys that were applying it, when they were applying it, they, they bumped the rate a little bit. Not a, you know, a huge amount. But we already were pushing it, and so it was my own fault. And I shouldn't have said, "All right, we're gonna we're okay with this rate," because you have to know. Well, what ha- there's always going to be some leeway. You can never get it perfect. Well, if it's ten percent too low, whatever. But if it's ten percent too high, now you get a problem. The next thing is you got to understand whenever manure is being applied, where where do you end up with more? A lot of times it's around the end rows. So we got hurt around the end rows because we had too much salt on certain soil types. On other soil types, it's perfectly fine. It was absolutely fine. Now, we wouldn't have probably had any problem anywhere if we just would have had normal rainfall. And quite frankly, that was where I screwed up because I just counted on normal rainfall. So where I'm going with this is we commonly get people who will say, well, I've been using 10 gallons of 1034-0 for eight years. It's been fine every other time. Yeah, it's always fine until the one time it isn't. And the one time it isn't, it may cost you 20, 30, or more bushels. I've seen it as bad as 50 bushel yield loss. That's no fun when you invested money that you thought was going to help your crop, and instead, it hurt your yield. So what we talk about quite often here at Ag PhD is, hey, we're just trying to help you do a better job, help you improve your yield, your profits, and your soil. That, that's great. That's, that's where we're at all the time. That's our, that's our hope for you always. But in doing so, we are very commonly going to be more conservative than maybe some other people you might talk to and some agronomists. 
And sure, you're going to run into people that just like my example of, well, it's always worked before. Well, yeah. But as soon as you hit a drought year and you, you maybe you're farming some new ground this year and you got a little bit of light soil in there and a drought, now you got a problem. So that's what we get most worried about. So our advice is usually be a little bit more conservative. Use a little bit lower rate. Use a low salt product instead of like 103040. That should help you quite a bit. And then you also have to be a little bit careful with how you are delivering that. And here's what I mean by that. One tip we got from Francis Childs, he was the world record corn producer back about 20, 25 years ago. He was the first guy in the United States raising 400 bushel corn. Well, anyway, what he talked about was putting fertilizer out there with the an in-furrow placement on fertilizer. Okay, And he's like, yeah, it's fine. I, I'm all for that. But here's what I want to do. I want to put it with water. Well, why would you put it with water? Because now you've effectively safened it. You're spreading out the fertilizer through more of that furrow. Because what typically happens is guys are trying to run pretty low rates and it, it, I, I just encourage you, test this out on your planter. But what we often see on planters is the fertilizer is not consistently delivered. It spits. It spits a little bit here and a little bit there, a little bit there, a little bit there. Well, if you hit it right on a seed, that's a problem. If you hit it right in between the seed, there's no problem. It's not going to hurt your germ or anything, even if it's a higher salt fertilizer, because it was in between the two seeds there, and that's where the fertilizer ended up. So... Francis's point was, boy, if I can run a little higher rate, and I realize it's a little more carrier, but because I've thrown that water in, but now I have more of a stream and it's more consistent as opposed to I got one kernel that got tons of fertilizer and I got another kernel that got no fertilizer. Um, that's, that's not what I'm after. So anyway, just something for you to think about. Same kind of concept like FMC talks about with their Thrive 3D system. They turn liquid fungicide or liquid insecticide into a foam, and now they say there is 50 times better coverage. That's a really big deal. So now you have a lot better chance to have success. You have more consistent uptake by plants, and you have way less chance for damaging any seed because there's only a little bit that ends up on each seed. So just some things for you to think about. But yeah, please always, number one, focus on salt and crop safety. If you do that, then you should be in pretty good shape. All right. So again, throughout the show today, we're going to talk a little about in-furrow fertilizer and maybe some other things you might consider doing in-furrow. We're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag. And if you'd like to call into the show, our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. If you do have a question, you can either call us or you can send us an email if you'd like, radio at agphd.com. You can also find us on X, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. 
Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year. BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Talking about inferro fertilizer and other treatments on today's program and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's start off with Dan Peterson with AgroLiquid to talk a little bit about inferro. I know Dan's got a lot of experience with this. How you doing, Dan? I'm great. It's warmer. It's warmer today and it's melting the snow. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we got some we got some snow here and we got rid of it quickly. Hopefully it doesn't come back for a while. Uh, right. Right. All right. So talking about inferro fertilizer, when I when I discuss this with farmers across the country, Dan, the number one concern that I hear more than anything else is I don't want to hurt anything. So talk to us about that. I know you get that question a lot. What can farmers yep. do to avoid hurting anything with inferro fertilizer? And then what are some what are some do's and don'ts with inferro to be successful? Sure. Um, and this gets a little crop specific, so I'll, I'll confine this to more broadly just corn, unless you would like me to talk you know, in terms of it, you know, for sensitive crops as well. But for corn, uh, wheat, you know, pretty much any small grain, uh, inferro works works very well. Uh, my caution is typically uh, start out with a high quality product. There is a lot of junk out there, and I've seen 1034O uh, vary a lot in quality, and um, that makes an that makes a big difference when you're running inferro and you've got direct contact with the seed. And the other the other issue, of course, is um, a factor to bring into into play is the rate. Uh, you know, make sure your rate is appropriate for whatever product you're putting in furrow. And then also pay attention to your cation exchange capacity and organic matter. For example, five gallons might work great with a CEC of 15, but you get into a sandy soil with a CEC of five, that might hurt your corn. Uh, the other thing is pay attention, you know, to what's coming with weather. If weather's predicted to be especially cold and dry, and you've got a light soil, you know, uh, low low kin exchange capacity. Your 
chances for getting salt injury on the seed ramp up substantially. So in that situation, if it looks like it's going to be cold, especially cold and dry, um, you might want to consider dialing back your rate. Yeah, adjusting to the conditions is is really important. I was just talking with some young agronomists about this, that you can't find out how to make all those adjustments by watching a TikTok video or finding something on YouTube. Because uh, everybody that's putting out agricultural information, we can kind of give the basics on things, but man, there's going to be, you yeah. just have to know how to adjust to, like say, really low CEC, low organic matter soils, drought conditions, excessive rainfall conditions. I mean, those are things you learn over time. And that's what you get when you yeah. talk to somebody that's that's been around for a little bit. And uh, on the farm, fortunately, there are plenty of those resources out there if you if you just ask. Uh, all right, Dan, yeah, exactly. you know, in-furrow, in, it's a little bit different than two-by-two. Two, and when we think about specific nutrients, that there are some that you would say, well, I don't want to put a whole bunch of boron in the furrow. If I'm going to use that, I need to at least be over in a two-by-two two or, or something different. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are other alternatives if, if you've got a high rate or, a, or an unsafe product. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm seeing more and more uh, precision planting has got their conceal system, and then 360 yield centers got their bandit. And then there's, um, you know, the traditional um, two by two, which is uh, typically a single disc opener uh, that. Well, generally, if you've got it adjusted properly, we'll get it two inches to the side of the seed. Sometimes you don't always get it two inches, you know, below the seed, but um, just having it to the side can be beneficial. Um, but regardless, um, I like the combination a lot. If if the, if you can manage that from a you know logistic uh, logistic standpoint without significantly slowing down your planting progress, I really like the combination of inferral and then we'll call it two by two, which would include the conceal and bandits. Um, and, and you can go pretty high rates. I mean, if, if you're getting that, um, that two by two placement, you can put nitrogen in there. You can put more potassium in there. You can, like you mentioned, you can go um, a fairly significant quantity of boron, um, any number of things. It's almost unlimited. Sulfur, you know, um, if you're in a liquid program, you can put, so there's several um, liquid sulfur products on, on the market. Most people would think right away of ammonium thiosulfate. We've got a product called Access. Uh, so you can you can supply a pretty good portion of your crop sulfur needs, uh, having it in that two-by-two two where you wouldn't dare put that in furrow um, uh, with, with any of these um, sulfur products. So yeah, it gives, it brings a lot of options you can uh, again. I'm I'm one of those guys that if if supplying tanks, uh, you know, making a, a pit stop every 20 acres to fill tanks because you're putting, say, for talking, 15 gallons of nitrogen plus additional sulfur potassium products, for example, and that's that's chopping 10 acres a day off your planting progress. I don't like that. Um, then I, in that situation, yes, don't get, you know, don't stop doing the inferral. Um, but you might, might want to think about your, your rate that you're trying to run through the two by two and, uh, and just make that appropriate for your labor situation, your, your logistical ability to keep that planter nursed. 
There's a lot of considerations when it comes to uh, putting out infra fertilizer. It necessarily means you're going to be doing it at the same time as planting. And uh, to Dan's point, right. you got to plan for those things. You got to have the manpower. You got to have the equipment if you want to accomplish it. But it's certainly something that could have a really positive impact on what you're doing in your farming operation. Uh, Dan, thank you so yeah, much. Really, exactly. really appreciate having you on. Always appreciate the conversations. Sure. Thank you. We've got Kelly Garrett with us right now, works with the Extreme Ag Group and farms with this family in western Iowa. How are you doing, Kelly? Good. How are you, Darren? Well, good. It's it's fun watching some of these trends. Are, are more guys putting things in furrow? Are they moving uh, nutrients out of the furrow, moving other things into the furrow like fungicides or biologicals? There's just lots of choices on the farm today. Uh, there's more choices than you can count, Darren. You're right. <laughs> Well, and everybody's got a little different recipe of things they want to do. And I'm sure, you know, as much as, as the ground varies across your farm, you probably have some things you like on some fields and in other types of soil and that kind of thing or other crop rotations you wouldn't dream of trying. No, and we're, you know, we're always tweaking it. We're always changing. Uh, I will tell you that we used to think we wanted all the fertility in the furrow or in the two-by-two, two, and now we're taking more and more of it out, especially the furrow. Uh, and moving that later to a reproductive time to be applied with, you know, in corn to plain, of course, things like that. But the, uh, the, the planter applied fertility is still extremely important. You know, getting things off to a good start is a really big deal. I, I don't care who I've been talking to uh, in terms of farmers that are really successful and, and known for getting high yields. Uh, to the person, it's, hey, I have to get my crop off to a good start, and having just a little bit of fertility there at least to feed that crop early seems really one of those keys. Uh, that's absolutely true. The thing that we have learned now, though, is that Getting it off to a good start sometimes is purely vegetative, and we have to make sure that the money we're spending, the things we're doing, has a reproductive ROI, not just a vegetative ROI. I, of course, want my corn to look nice in June, but does that translate to yield? And that's the, the decision that you have to make. Yeah, Brian was just talking about this this morning, that uh, if you look at the hail charts, you could lose pretty much 100% of your yield leaves on soybeans in the vegetative stages and still get maximum yield uh, if you had good conditions during the reproductive time. So you're right. It's it's looking at your whole crop year, what that fertility need is going to be, and then trying to put things out when they're going to give you the best return on investment. Absolutely. You know, I have a good friend in Idaho that uh, we're working more and more together, and he said something to me this last spring that has really stuck with me. I felt was very profound. American agriculture does a great job of producing a very sexy-looking vegetative crop. We need to be producing a reproductive crop, and you've got to understand what the difference is. Well, we know where the paycheck comes from. It's the grain that we haul to town or to the buyer. So you're absolutely right. We're talking with Kelly Garrett here, Farms in Iowa. I mean, obviously, you can tell Kelly Farms because he's looking at, okay, we can do all these great things in our crop, but we got to make money doing it in the end so we can afford to farm yeah. again. Hey, Kelly, thank you so much. Always great having you on. You bet, Darren. See you later. Bye. Talking about in-furrow fertilizer and other treatments on today's program and taking your calls and questions, too. Stay tuned. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. 
Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel bin full of corn, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 1,000 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC Herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 Herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Banning nitrogen from your planter saves you money. Don't waste those savings by buying an expensive application system. Clever design and engineering means 360 bandits, colders, and hose guides work to get the nitrogen in the perfect place for rapid root uptake. 360 bandit puts a band of nitrogen on both sides of the seed trench, three quarters of an inch deep. And 360 bandit costs a fraction of what more complex systems cost. Don't overspend. Choose 360 bandit from 360 Yield Center. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. We're talking about in-furrow fertilizer and other treatments that you could put in-furrow, and probably the one we've gotten the most questions about lately. Uh, in, I should almost not say that because we had so many rootworm questions this year, too, about what can I do to stop corn rootworm, but we've also had a lot of fungicide questions in Furrow with a lot of the press that's been out there about Zyway and a lot of the trial data that's been coming back being so positive. We've got Gail Stratman on with us right now with FMC to talk about those issues. How you doing, Gail? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Well, pretty good. All right. Uh, I guess let's start with Zyway first because we've had a lot of farmers asking about Zyway. What are you seeing on uh, all the various diseases, obviously northern corn leaf blight, it, it looks lights out on that. But uh, what are you seeing on some of the other diseases out there? Well, like I said, in addition to northern corn leaf blight, you're talking about uh, gray leaf spots, another one that comes on early that, that Zywood does well on. And then we're seeing, you know, some really impressive stuff on tar spot. Um, 
you know, we get that early season control and we get that control, you know, clear up into, into reproductive stages. And it, and it really helps set you up to determine, you know, and, and set your crop up to see, do, am I going to need that foliar fungicide later on if my tar spot really comes on heavy or in a lot of cases, tar, um, Zyway can carry it through if it's not so heavy. So it really kind of sets it up for success and gives that plant that really that boost early in the season from, uh, from some of the other physiological benefits we see out of that fungicide in the plant. I don't know if it's the planting time application that makes the results surprising or if it's just that foliar fungicides have been pretty spotty. Yeah, you, you just have to do such a great job with coverage and timing and everything foliar to get the most out of those that to be able to put something on and have it translocate through the plant is almost too good to believe. We're really happy about it, Gil. Yeah, putting something in there and letting the plant's internal vascular system distribute it throughout the plant, is, it's almost like 100% coverage of the plant. Instead of you having to worry about exactly how what the conditions are when you're spraying it and how you do it, you let the plant distribute it uh, throughout it. And like I said, put it inside the, the plant's bloodstream, and, and it really works well from there. And you have that protection before, uh, before you really need it. So it kind of takes that timing aspect out of it, too. So it, it offers a lot of flexibility to growers that, that maybe uh, haven't had quite as much success with the foliar applications in the past. With all the interest in using Zyway fungicide at planting time, uh, at the same time, we had a corn rootworm outbreak in 2023. Like, it was it was just something. Almost everywhere I went, that was all everyone was talking about this summer was, my goodness, there's so much rootworm feeding out there and so many rootworm beetles. What does that mean for us for next year, and what lessons did you learn this year, Gail? Well, like I said, we've had a couple of dry stretches the last couple of years, and generally when that happens, you will see greater survivability of those corn rootworm. And so those populations that kind of been on the increase, we really kind of need a couple of really wet years to kind of set that back a little bit. But, um, yeah, with that, the pressures are up, so that's going to put more challenges on our traits um, as well as our inferral products. And, and so we've really seen a lot of uh, interest in Stewart, our foliar fu- uh, insecticide, which is really effective and, and high residual control on, on those rootworm adults. And so we can set those populations back. We can take those egg-laying females and, and not allow them to put all those eggs in the soil so that we can manage those populations next year because it's, it's purely a numbers game. And anything you put out there is going to get overwhelmed if we let those populations get too high. And we've seen them creep up over the last couple of years with the dry weather that we've had. Hey, speaking of Stewart, the guys that have been beetle bombing, some of those same guys have been using it on alfalfa for alfalfa weevil larvae. And that's another one of those problems that it, they don't all just come out in one week and then you never see them again. Right. It seems like that drags on for a while, too. What are you seeing for length of control on Stewart? Is is that a viable option for alfalfa weevil larvae, too? Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're seeing, you know, we'll get residual from two to three weeks or more out of that uh, foliar application. And again, that's another one of those pests that um, likes the, 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 the conditions when we get into drier stretches because you get less disease that takes out some of that population. So you see those populations build. And, and for a lot of years, you may not notice the, the alfalfa weevil problems. And all of a sudden, one year, it's like, wow, the conditions are just ideal and, it, and it just everything came together. And so that's when you're looking for a really strong, long residual product. And Stewart kind of really cut its teeth in that alfalfa market, even before we knew about it in, in corn. It's, it's kind of be, it's, it is the standard, and, uh, and it really gives you excellent control. Like I said, two to three weeks residual is really what we expect out of that product, and it performs really well. 
Okay, let's get back to this corn rootworm issue. And because of the big rootworm uh, problems that we saw in 2023, in addition to using traits, a lot of farmers are also going to be putting out insecticide this year. We're hearing from retailers across the country that demand is up on things like capture and ethos that growers are going to be putting in furrow. How long till we'll see a capture or ethos combination product with Zyway? Well, um, that's something we're looking at here, and, we're, and we continue to look at, um, at, at different combinations there. You know, one of the, the um, things that's a little bit unique there in that situation is we like to have that insecticide close to that, um, to that crown of that plant, so we put that in, in, the, in the seed furrow. That way we like to maintain just a little bit of distance away from the seed, but we are working on some other options in that, in that scenario um, to bring, you know, dual mode of action products and those kind of op- opportunities to, again, you know, attack those rootworm in different ways and, and keep them off balance. And so they don't become accustomed to just straight, you know, bifenthrin or capture or, or any other straight goods insecticide. So got to keep them off balance. And that's why we use the foliar treatments. But we're also using the at plant things, but definitely looking for new, uh, new active ingredients and new ways to, to manage that pest that plant as well. I was just talking to an agronomist over in Minnesota today, and he said some of his growers now are increasing the rate of capture that they're using on 30-inch rows and corn uh, to, to numbers that I hadn't really seen before. But then when you look at the label, you can do those things. Uh, are, are you finding growers using higher rates of capture to have even more success? Yeah, you know, with the with the rate range that we have on capture, um, it allows us to increase that rate for high population situations. You know, normally in the past we did a lot of eight and a half ounces, and that worked really well when we had low pressure situations. But as we get into some of these higher numbers, higher populations situations, we have the ability to go up on on that rate. So we're doing a seeing a lot of guys, you know, and and recommending a lot of ten, twelve some cases 14 ounces of, of capture in, in situations and getting a little more consistent control and, and a little higher efficacy to try to manage some of those higher uh, situations and our label allows it. So it, our label allows that flexibility and, and we've got guys that are taking advantage of that. Yeah, this particular agronomist said he had a couple guys running 12 ounces and it was working great for them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's yeah. Uh, that's encouraging that, hey, we can just bump the rate yep. a little bit for those high pressure situations, try and knock out some more bugs. And even if you do have traits, and uh, like for Brian and me, we're using SmartStacks Pro and SmartStacks traits on our mm-hmm. farms. We're, we're doing a lot of corn on corn for silage. Adding that capture in there, being able to bump that rate up a little bit, uh, it sure helps. So you don't have to have bugs taking a bite out of those roots to to ingest the. BT. Yeah, for for longest yeah for the longest time we kind of got used to that that eight and a half ounce rate, but just looking at that understanding, that's the lowest rate we have for rootworm on the label. So we can we can bump that rate up for there and and move, and get a little more consistent control when we do that in some situations. Well, Gail, great stuff as always. We really appreciate having you on. We're talking again with Gail Stratman here with FMC. Uh, thanks for joining us and look forward to hearing more as as all those tests uh, come in that you've got out there this year. All right. Thank you, Darren. You bet. 
You know, Brian, we talked about fertilizer in furrow. We talked about fungicide, and Gail made the point there. We, we like a little bit of space between something like Zyway and the seed, other than in that Thrive 3D system. That's been one of the things that we've been doing, dropping that ribbon ribbon of foam right in furrow to, to spread things out better, and that's worked quite well with the fungicide we've been putting in furrow. But you've got insecticide, you've got naturals, you've got fungicides, uh, fertilizers. There's a lot of things now that growers could be putting in furrow when they're planting their crops. Yep, that's for sure. So it is kind of tough to make that choice on what are you going to put in, what are you going to leave out. We just encourage you to try some things on your farm. That's probably our number one request always is do some experimenting on your farm. And Darren and I were talking about this a little bit earlier today where Darren, we were doing some training with agronomists and Darren made the comment, have several neighbors try some stuff. So if you try one thing, your neighbor tries something else, your other neighbor tries something else, learn from each other and figure out what's working, what's not, what pays the best, what doesn't. So we'll talk a little more about that right after this. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brother's. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings, experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids, extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. 
Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergent protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valen.com fierce to find the right Fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. We are live in the Morton studio just talking a little about in-furrow fertilizer and other things you could do in-furrow if you'd like. Again, if you want to call into the show, 844-44-AG-PHD is our number, or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Okay, so just to wrap this up, I'll, I'll just tell you some of the things that we've been doing on our own farm and what we have liked in-furrow. First of all, we like to plant really early when the soil's cold, like 40 degrees for corn works great uh, if you do some things right. And one of the things is you've got to be real cognizant of the fact that you are more likely to have disease and you are more likely to have insect issues. So we like getting insecticide out there. Oh, one other thing. Uh, so I, I just mentioned in the last segment that Darren and I spent the last couple of days doing some training with a whole bunch of agronomists. And we had a question about a certain insect. And I said, well, I want you to think about this. Your farmers that are having this problem with this insect, how many times did they spray their soybean fields? How many times do they spray their corn fields? They're rotating corn and beans, by the way. Do they spray their fence lines? Do they spray their ditches? Do they, do they spray their shelter belts? I said, we do all those things every year, and most of them multiple times. So that's the reason why we don't have that bug, why we don't have major insect outbreaks. And I'm not saying we can't have some problems here and there. We will on our farm. But I'm just simply saying, when you have insects on your farm, a lot of people talk about, well, you know, threshold levels and everything's got to pay and all this other stuff. And I'm fine with some of that. But obviously, it's never going to pay in a ditch or a fence line or a shelter belt. The shelter belt we spray just because we want our trees to do well, mainly. Uh, but the side benefit is we kill harmful insects in there so they can't move into our fields. We spray the fence lines and the ditches for weeds. But we also kill the bugs there because the bugs there usually move out into the field. We spray in our fields because we almost always, at some point during the year, will find threshold levels. But by threshold levels, I mean economic threshold levels. Some people talk about just random numbers, and I'm going... Look at the economics. The cheap pyrethroids now, they're at an all-time low price. They're less than $2 an acre for the full rate. So, I mean, it's going to cost me like $1.70 or something to add that in when I'm spraying my fence lines and my ditches. And I can find all kinds of grasshoppers out there and a whole bunch of other bugs that I know can move into my crop and cause me a major problem. Why would I not, why would I not do that for a grand total of maybe a couple thousand dollars? It's nothing. And, but the problem is, if you're not thinking about that, then the numbers build, and then they build more, and then they build more yet. And eventually, sooner or later, you go, whoa, where'd all these bugs come from? And I got a disaster, and it's terrible. If you just keep addressing it a little bit at a time, keep the bug populations down, you're in better shape. It's even like this insecticide that I'm talking about right here in furrow on corn. We do it every single year. And actually now we're doing in furrow insecticide on our soybeans too. And I'll be honest, it, 
I don't know for sure if it's going to pay every year. I don't. But I know we have harmful insects out there every year. I'm just taking my chances that, hey, it's probably going to pay. But the other thing is I know that I now basically have paid a little bit of money the way I look at it for insurance. Now, just in case the bug pressure did get worse, hey, I already have an insecticide out there. I'm in good shape. With the corn, we're very, very concerned about rootworms. The traits, some of them are failing. We have tremendously high rootworm pressure in our area. A lot of people aren't spraying volunteer corn as early as they should, and so volunteer corn is a great host for corn rootworms in the soybean years. So the populations of rootworms around here are just building something crazy. So we're using insecticide even when we're using rootworm-traded corn. And I think that's a good way to go. But anyway, when we're planting super early, we do like some fungicide out there early as well. The Zyway, it's been great for us. Last year we had a nine bushel gain. I don't know what our, I I didn't see any trial work this year on our farm. I don't know if we even did anything. I don't remember. But last year we gained nine bushels versus the untreated. So it was great. So anyway, try some things out on your farm. Try some naturals. And if you're planting real early, take a hard look at insecticide and fungicide because I will promise you, you have a better chance when you're planting early into really cold soils to have both diseases and insects impact that crop because it's got to sit below ground for just so many more days. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. First question comes in from RB who's got some great soil sample information here. Three years of data. They just did some tiling work and in the fall of 2019, so they pulled soil samples over three years in tiled areas that were good, tiled areas that were normally poor yielding, and then also in good areas of untiled ground and poor areas of untiled ground, just so we could see kind of what the trends are and what nutrient levels were like and so forth. So uh, RB says, hey, I farm in Manitoba, and I'm just east of the Red River Valley. We put in pattern tile half a field in the fall of 2019, so that's explaining the samples here. said, soluble salts, magnesium, and sodium, uh, both in parts per million of base saturation, have come down the past two years now in tiled ground versus the ground that was not tiled. The pH hasn't really changed, though. I thought that would be changing. So I'm curious, how long did it take for you guys to start lowering soil pH on your farm after tile was installed? We've got plenty of sulfur out there, so I don't think adding any more is going to speed anything up for us. Well, what he's showing on all these tests is 120 pounds in the 0 to 6 inch sulfur and 360 pounds in the 6 to 24. In other words, that's not real. Those are not the true numbers. I would like to see what the true numbers are. What that's telling me is your lab is only giving you 120 pounds, or I'm not sure if this is pounds or parts per million, whatever it is, pounds or parts per million. It's only giving you that for every six inches. So you multiply 120 times three, that's 360. So that that's exactly what it is. So I'd like to know, do you have 360? Do you have 3,600? Do you have 36,000 parts? I have no idea what you have. So I'm with you though. It does, I'm going to assume you've got all kinds of sulfur there. Here's the thing. You're in an area that's really cold and not super wet. The more rainfall you get and the warmer you are, then the faster things are going to happen for you. So unfortunately, it's just going to take time. And yeah, I I mean, things are improving. Your salt levels are going down, but you know, are your sulfur levels really going down? Um, I don't know because you're not getting true readings on that. So 
we, we can't really tell for sure. But I would say this, eventually it will get better. So we've seen it sometimes where it's five years, seven years, 10 years, and then finally more of the stuff is flushing out with all that sulfur and it, it does start to get better and the pH does start to go down more. But honestly, you know, let me just say this. I don't really care about soil tests, sulfur, pH, anything else. You know what I care about? Yield and profitability. So that's really the main thing that we're after. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I don't care about soil tests. I do. But I'm simply saying we want to try to do everything we can to raise a great crop. So when I'm looking at potassium, okay. for example, let me, 2%, let me dive I'm trying in to on build that. that a little bit. Go let ahead. Let me dive in on the potassium then. His second question, he's got two questions here. So second one is about banding potash. Yep. We use mid-row banders to band our NP and K five inches away from the seed furrow at seeding time. Mm -hmm. What is the safe amount of potash to apply when using banders? <laughs> I'm worried if I apply too much, it will change yep. base saturation levels in that fertilizer band area and potentially tie nutrients up, causing me more problems. No, that's not going to hurt. What I would worry more about is, is salt. But we haven't really seen a lot of problem in super heavy soils like you have. Uh, we haven't seen major issues with potash hurting crops. We've gone as high as 1,400 pounds in a broadcast. So the equivalent to that would probably be 500, 7 pound, 700 pounds in a band. We have done 500 pounds in a band many times. So it has worked, but don't let me just say this. I'm not saying you can for sure do that, okay? Please don't mishear what I'm saying. I don't know always has to be my answer whenever your question is, how much can I put on safely? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to go that far. I don't know what the full limit is going to be, and it's going to vary. The more rain you have, the safer you're going to be. But here's where I wanted to go with this. When I look at your tiled ground and where you say good, your potassium levels have been decreasing over the last three years, which tells me chances are your yields have been better. You've been pulling more out. Make sure you're keeping the potassium up, keeping the phosphorus up, and then don't forget about copper and zinc. They tie very closely to phosphorus. Look at fertility. Try to raise the best crop you can. Even though the pH is a little high, it'll be fine. We'll talk more about it right after this. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, 
Balance your field for uniform nutrition or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot com. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. My mom's got a new Case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. Stay in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, along with my brother Darren. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag. So right before the break, we had the question come from, was it Manitoba, right? Yes. Um, and what it was, or what it is, is heavy soil. Some got tiled and some didn't, and they're looking at comparisons and, and so on and asking, okay, well, how long is this going to take for things to get better? It's going to take a long time. Uh, because the ground's really heavy, it's cold, you don't get lots of rainfall, it's going to take time. But it'll get better, don't worry. So we have some ground that this year yielded 275 bushel corn. It's a small field, it's 20 acres. It sits about a quarter mile from where we're at here right now in the Morton studio. Just a little bit to the west of us. And it's some lower ground that we pattern tiled about... Let's see, it's probably been 12, 13, 14 years ago. I don't know. It's been a while. Okay, so maybe longer ago than that, maybe 15, 16. Anyway, the point is we just put the tile in, and we really didn't do a whole lot else. We said, all right, let's just fix the drainage, and hopefully things will get better on their own. And it started to get better, don't get me wrong. But after a few years, we did soil testing out there and found, you know what, this pH just hasn't come down. It's to the to the exact same question that we got here. Why isn't my pH coming down? Well, it had been several years after, and we still had pH in the low eights. But we looked at it and we said, man, this ground is pretty low. This is one of our lowest on potassium, and we really need to build this up. So we put a whole bunch of potash on, built the soil test K level from I'm going to say 1.5% on average to about 4%. And within a within a year or two, we had the pH down about half a point. And if you would have told me that potash was going to lower my pH, I'd have said you're nuts. No way. But high pH is basically the result of something being out of balance in your soil. So when I look at your soil tests, I don't have all the information because I don't see micronutrients here, but 
I will say when I look at potassium, yeah, it's it's just it's low. I mean, it's not ridiculous. It's not as bad as what ours was. Uh, you know, you're about two percent in in some of the things, some of the fields too, just a hair more. But I know you've got a fair amount of potassium out there. But I'd still be putting putting a little more out. And I also don't see, unless unless I missed this somewhere, but Darren, I do not see phosphorus levels on here at all in his soil tests. What he what he showed. Yeah, he us. doesn't have everything on there. Okay, so and granted, this is not a soil test from he's the just lab. Got, he he's just, just got a little summary that he made for us. Right, right. So he, he, I'm sure he has the information, but I don't see the information. So all I'm saying is, get nutrients in balance. Get your phosphorus levels up. Get your zinc and your copper and your boron yeah, and all what, these things. Because what is pH? It's just an imbalance of nutrients. Right. So get all the things up that you need to be up to raise the crop that you're looking for. And then here's the other thing. The more crop you raise, that means the more roots you're going to have, which means the more acid you're going to kick out into the soil. Roots don't just bring in water and nutrients. They kick acid out into the soil to try to make nutrients more available. Those acids are often called chelating agents, by the way. But what will the acid do? At least temporarily, it's going to lower your your pH. And that's a good thing. So I, I will also tell you, Stephen Albrecht, he was he passed away a few years ago, but he was he's one of only three people that we know of in the history of the world that have ever raised 500 bushel corn. And anyway, he had pHs in sevens and even some up to eight. We have his soil tests. And I mean, he had tremendously high nutrients of just about everything. He had everything else where he was doing pretty good. Now, did he have some things he could change and could we lower the pH? Sure. I mean, we, we could have done some work with him and, and gotten the pH down eventually. But the point is this. He was still raising amazing crop. And his pH is what most people would call too high. Okay, So I'm just trying to say here, don't worry so much. Things are going to get better over time. What we have found um, is you know, the more years you go, the better that tiled ground is going to end up being. It just, unfortunately, takes lots of time. All right. What you got next there, Darren? All right. OC asks, what is the cost on organic matter and nutrient loss from burning? Okay. So let's say you burn residue. It's not necessarily organic matter that you're burning. What you're burning is organic material. It has not broken down and become organic matter yet. But what you're going to lose is pretty much all your nitrogen and sulfur when you burn. You're also going to lose roughly... Uh, let's see, I'm looking at one study here and they say 24% of the phosphorus and 35% of the potassium. So you're, you're going to lose a percentage of the P and the K. You're going to lose pretty much all the nitrogen and almost all the sulfur. So that, and granted, I mean, it's not like there are a million pounds there or something, but there, there are nutrients there that when you burn, you now have to replace. As far as what's that organic material worth, a little bit will become organic matter. Most of it was just there to protect your ground, though. So if you burn, then we want to get a crop growing out there as quickly as we can, usually, so we can protect that soil again. Because if you have that soil uh, barren over the winter, then that means you are just a lot more likely for your soil to blow all around for a few months. Unless you have great snow cover, which I hope we don't have. I'm yeah. just saying. I, oh, I don't like too. pushing snow. But anyway, <laughs> for our crops, a lot of times good. All right. Okay. Uh, I get this one in from Diego down in Argentina, and he said, we have huge cracks in our dryland soils here. If we put fertilizer out now and it goes down deep, <laughs> would that make a huge mess or would that do us any good? I'd like to know how deep did the cracks go. Well, he's go. sticking his whole arm in there. <laughs> so 
that's way too deep, Diego. Yeah, you're going to drop fertilizer down two feet or more. I don't see that that's going to be a positive for you at all. Maybe you're just teasing with your with your question here. Yeah, and maybe it's just a one-off kind of deal. I don't know. But I, I will say this. We do like to get fertilizer down 12, even down to 24 inches deep. Now, 24, yeah, I'm not that worried. But it, it, that's not you know that real big gainer. But 12? 12 inches? Yes. I do want to get some fertility down to 12 inches deep. That absolutely can help you. But yeah, if you're talking two, three feet, that's probably, that's pushing it. All right. This one comes in from Kevin out of New Jersey. He said, I got a photo from a grower that I work with and they've got white colored soybeans. Looks to me like Phomopsis seed decay. We did have a pretty warm and wet fall during pod fill, seeing lots of discolored beans out there. Uh, first time I've seen anything like this. Yeah, that's that's probably what it is, Kevin, no doubt about it. And a late-season fungicide can certainly help fight off some of that disease. It made a made a big difference. Saw some guys with Cercospora this year hey. and, and anthracnose and some different diseases late. I just want to be clear here. Darren made the comment, late-season fungicide. Please don't ever think you can scout, see a disease, then go spray, and maintain 100% of yield. You can't. With the disease, you got to think about the incubation period, and how it's going to impact that crop for usually a week or two before you even see anything. So, plus the fact that fungicides are pretty good at curing or pretty good at uh, preventing disease, they're terrible at curing disease. So, we want to be out there in advance. So, spray early. And here's another thing where I just invest the money in the fungicide. I'm taking my chances that the disease is going to show up. Unfortunately, a lot of times it does. But anyway, that, that's the way we want to look at that. All right, CB down in North Alabama said, I've got a couple hundred acres of a mixed grass hay with fescue, bahia, orchard grass, crabgrass, and Bermuda grass in it. Okay. I'm having a bad time with foxtails and also with horse nettle. Mm. I put on prowl in a split, up, split application last fall and this spring at the recommended rate, but I didn't see much result out of that. Hmm. Uh, what other products could help me out with these weeds? I never have had much luck using prowl. All right. Well, a couple of things here. First of all, with lots of different grasses, that's going to limit you as to what's going to be labeled in yep. terms of foxtail control. So with foxtails, thicker stand, better fertility, uh, cutting the foxtail before it goes to seed, but not cutting the hay or grazing it down so low that it allows the foxtail to come through. You shouldn't have a problem with annual grasses out there in your perennial grass stand if that grass stand is thick. So I'd yep. work on that. Then in terms of the horse nettle, it's a perennial with rhizomes. It's in the nightshade family. Uh, and just uh, for anybody wondering, I wonder if I have horse nettle. When you crush the leaves, it kind of has a potato-like odor. So it has a distinct smell to it. And the fruit is poisonous. So what are some things that work? If this is a grass hay pasture that's going to stay grass for a long time, you could use aminopyrrolid, which would be the active in Duracore, TerraView, Milestone, that works really well on horse nettle. Otherwise, we've seen a lot of guys just going out with repeated applications of something like Freelex or Distinct, uh, something, a Dicamba or 240D type the product. Uh, the problem, if you use the aminopyrrolid, there's an 18-month restriction for selling the hay. You can use it yourself, but you can't sell it to <laughs> others. So just keep that in mind if you do choose to go aminopyrrolid. Uh, but that one would get down into those rhizomes and kill it once and for all. And thanks for the question, CB. Really appreciate it. And thanks to all of you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.